How do you know if you're following your true calling? Well, in this special sit-down interview with TV host Stephanie Gilbert, we are about to find out. Welcome to the Beauty Aside podcast. I'm Gentry Quinn. I dropped out of school at the age of 17, got my GED, and still managed to build multiple businesses and a beauty line from the ground up. Beauty aside, each week we'll be talking with entrepreneurs and learning what it takes to achieve balance and what it really means to follow your dreams. I'm so excited to be here with you again. You're excited? I'm excited. excited. Thank you for having me, for real. This is cool. This is amazing. Um, For those who maybe have missed the first podcast, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do, please? Yeah, of course. So, um, I'm Stephanie, Stephanie Gilbert. Um, I'm the co-host for Studio 512, which is a lifestyle show on CW and KXAN. So, we air uh, Monday through Friday on CW from 7 to 9 a.m., so early mornings. Um, and then 11 to noon on KXAN. Um, I do everything lifestyle oriented, so really it's just the fun. It's the fun stuff, not the big bad news, but the happy, happy, good kind of stuff, but still a lot of work. So um, yeah, that's how I met you. I met you through that, and I get to meet a whole lot of cool people, do a lot of really fun, uh, great things in the community, and really discover Austin in a way that I feel so fortunate to be able to do. Hopefully through all of that, um, I get to bring, you know, kind of the good side and the light out to Austin and, and share some of the fun and the good stories that are happening. We definitely feel that from you, which leads me to my chemistry question, because I'm always wondering how much does chemistry really matter when you're working with someone on set? So at first I was like, chemistry, oh no, no science, no math, girlfriend. <laughs> but yes, chemistry yes. as in an energy, yes. <laughs> So much. Um, I'd have to say I've worked with people in the past who maybe are, I don't know, overbearing or like a little protective of their position, just don't really flow with you. Um, And I'd say both with the guest relationship and then with the co-host sort of relationship, it's ridiculously important. And I've been fortunate enough to not really have to deal with like anything bad where it's like like Rosie's a dream Rosie's an absolute dream and I wouldn't say that I wouldn't even bring it up if it wasn't true because she's like she's someone who has supported me from day one and has never been afraid to like get me involved and isn't like this is my spot and you're not involved like we really work well together as a team which makes my job a lot easier but it's also like I think even at the start of our show where we have David and Mandy too, there's just a really good flow where you just have different personalities, everyone's up for a good time. And if someone didn't, I don't know, want to participate in that or really didn't feel like uh, they were into what we were doing, I think you'd be able to see it on TV. So it's it's important and I'm very fortunate because it can go really wrong too. Yeah. No, we can see the connection <laughs> between you and Rosie for sure and it's amazing. Uh, so how would you describe your personality just out of curiosity that is a great question um I would say that I'm a little bit like off the edge I'm not I'm not too buttoned up I'm very uh, up for anything but I'm also really protective of myself until I really get to know someone so I might seem like someone who's like really out there and a little bit wild which is Um, but I will only show my cards so much until like I get to know people but with let's say the show that I'm on I forget a lot of times that I'm on TV so if I'm really having a good time like that's absolutely genuine um, and it has a lot to do with like who is around me and what I'm doing Um, and then you know if I'm really having a good conversation like I can't really manufacture that so um, personality wise gosh I am not that outgoing to be honest like in a big loud room I typically kind of want to be in the corner I'm not like hey oh look at me I'm very much like look at everyone else and I might ask you a question to the side or something so maybe still um oddly an introvert but I like to be involved with like really genuine connections so I kind of get my energy from that um I don't I really don't know beyond that what kind of personality traits I would have other than just saying like, hey, I'm me, that's what you get. <laughs> what you see is what you get. I think that's beautiful because I think oddly is right because people would not assume that there would be anything about you that would be an introvert. Like definitely myself, like I consider myself one, but I look at you and I'm like, extrovert. 
for sure. Mm -hmm. So that is a really special quality to be able to, um, you know, to be able to bring that type of genuine uh, appeal to the camera, in my opinion, where it's not just all like ego driven, like, look at me, look at me, or like, I want to be famous. I have not for one moment ever gotten that vibe from you that you're like that. You're just like the realest real out there. And that is what I believe makes you so special. Um, in real life and on camera. Well, if we take this back to the day we met, which we did talk about a little off camera before we got started, that is probably my genuine, maybe not, I don't know if I'd say personality, but my whole exterior would be like, I just kind of want to be, not necessarily left alone, but I'm not out there to say like, do you know who I am? Like, it's, that's not something I'll ever strive to. But like, if you can make a real conversation, just being the average Joe who walks into the room and like actually connects with someone, that's where I'm like looking to maybe not really like allow myself to be seen, but maybe allow myself to be like talked to and connect with someone else and like give a little extra of myself. So otherwise, yeah, you might find me hiding in a corner somewhere. I love that. Though. I love that. Surprise! Her bath scrub. Oh yes, um, <laughs> with my Gentry Quinn. Oh, oh boy, scrub. oh boy, it was not a plug. I swear, it was my intentional. Nope. Um, now, before in the first podcast, you said that you believed you were not naturally good at anything. I know it sounds crazy even for me to say it out loud, but you said everything that you did, you felt you had to work really hard at. Mm-hmm. Can you maybe just? expand on that a little bit for people that are lacking confidence maybe with the next step or whatever it is that they want to take it like maybe it's the same feel maybe it's something entirely different but they're just like lacking that confidence um can you tell them can you just expand on that like maybe just because you don't have x skill doesn't mean you can't learn it or Mm -hmm. work hard enough to obtain it yeah i i've never been born with a skill that was like laid in front of me to say like I'm not a singer I am not an actress and I'm not an artist like I've enjoyed some of those things but I had to be very bad at them before I ever became even like decent at them um and I think when I like going back referring to it in the podcast that we did a couple months back what I really mean is like I will jump into something and not expect myself to be good and I'll have to preface because I'm scared of everything I'm doing because I know I'm not going to just like be great at it. So if I am doing something like a, a skill, we learned the guitar on the show the other day. We did not learn the guitar. I, I, did, I learned nothing except for the fact that I need to try really, really hard to do it. And I think that was a learned skill from myself because there's been, there have been so many times in my life where I'm like, I'm not good at this. I am. I want to like do this in private until I do get somewhat good, and then I'm going to learn some more. So I, I'd say like it sounds weird, but I am a slow learner, and I know that about myself. So in a way, it's my strength to know that and to be like, it's okay that you're not even okay at this. It's okay to give yourself time to learn this, and if you are going to really enjoy it, then it's something that you're going to want to work at and keep going for and keep expanding at. And we have the cutest little oh mini where it's like, you know, when you're working, working from your home when your dogs keep walking around and jumping on you. You have the cutest puppy. And typically, <laughs> I, can, I can kind of like blur out all the lines of things going on around me. But when there's an animal near me, I'm like, I must pet. <laughs> I must hold. So she's very, very, very sweet and very cute. So if I'm like kind of looking off and away, then that's fine. But, um, sweet. <laughs> I'll, go, I'll go back into my train of thought of thinking. Thank you for being so cool. <laughs> this, this is what, I mean, this is what I love about actually doing something like this because it's so my real life. Here, for real. Here, Do you want to go to daddy? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick her up real quick so she'll you stop. Go? Oh, so she'll here's stop. Minnie. Oh my gosh. Here's Minnie, everyone. Okay. So back to, you know, giving people maybe the, the confidence or I don't know what what you could find in yourself is there are a lot of people with a lot of natural talents. And if you're thinking like, I may not be good enough at something like this, you might be right. Like, to be honest, I'm never going to be Katy Perry or Beyonce or, you know, but I will be good at something. And when you find that spark and that passion, I think if you're good at it and you have, you know, a, a great work ethic 
doing it and you want to keep on pursuing it, then that's what, if your heart's saying go in that direction, keep going in that direction. If people are telling you you're not good at it, you might want to be like, damn, I really like examine that and then go on. Because again, we're all told, yeah, we can be whatever we want to be. Not really. Like that's not totally true. I cannot be a brain surgeon. Mm -hmm. I wanted to be a brain surgeon at one point in my life because I thought it sounded cool, but that's not that's not the stuff that is going to realistically like come into play in action and actually be good at something. You do not want me working on your brain. We will say that. I'll take you right now. Take my word for it. So I think within like within some sort of realm, if you have you know your confidence and your passion behind it, keep going and keep pursuing it and be okay with not being good at it. Because that's, that's not, you never, you're going to fake it till you make it, but only so much, right? So it's like, you got to genuinely have some effort. And some there has to be some substance behind that. There does have to yeah. be. So, yeah. like, I guess the last thing I want to, like, get on a soapbox and say to people is like, just be so fake and one day you will magically make it. That's not totally true. I see a lot of people who... Um, you know, maybe come into this business and really want to succeed. And if they want to succeed, they're not going to be good at it on day one. They're not going to be good on it, good at it on day 100, but they're going to put the work into it and they're going to be so persistent and passionate and they're going to stay longer and they're going to do more than everyone else. And they're going to say yes. And then one day they will succeed. And that's where I think it all kind of comes full circle. And maybe that's a long way of saying is like, just keep pushing through, keep going for it. And if you don't have it, you don't have it in a certain sort of talent. But if you have the passion and the work behind it, then you're going to get there and you're going to be at least pretty good at it. Maybe never the best. But you don't ever want to be the best in the room either. I have to think about that one for a <laughs> I, think, I think, I think, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, uh, yeah, I'm going to agree. There's a lot of good stuff in there that you just said. And also, just to add to that, I think the genius really is in your ability to be able to look objectively at what it is, those things that you are strong and weak in, and not just say, oh, well, you know, never going to, I'm not that good at that, so just forget about it. It's like figuring out how to learn how to be better at those things. Mm -hmm. If you really, really want it, if you're really passionate that's actually a skill I believe in itself when you're talking about not having anything very specific or you said not naturally, I'm sorry, career words, not good at any one particular mm-hmm. thing. I would argue to say that is actually the thing that you are good, naturally good at is being able how to being able to figure out how to improve upon those points that maybe you're not as strong and improvise and ad lib and do all those things that you do when the pressure's on and the heat mm-hmm. of the moment. You were talking about the experience when you came back from your honeymoon where you hadn't been home for 24 hours and literally you were thrown into three days of uh, no teleprompter and like just really, really intense work days where you're basically just having to like come back tired and uh, and what's the word? Jet lagged mm, and massively. And, and, yeah, and having to like uh, you know memorize important clients, like and not make mistakes. Um, which, since I mentioned mistakes, I think I'm gonna to jump ahead for for a second and talk about mistakes uh, because I think that people are really hard on themselves these mm-hmm. days. I feel like I feel like. Uh, People are sometimes the people that shouldn't be hard on themselves are the people that are the hardest on themselves. So I just want to talk about mistakes for a second because I know a lot of beautiful people in really different um, fields that are very professional and when they make a mistake, it's in we're talking and conversations and they tell me about these mistakes, it's just they want to they want to bury themselves and hide. And you know, it's our jobs as peers and friends to say, hey, you know, like literally this has happened to me like four times in mm-hmm. the past. Like you're not the only one, you know what I mean? I know yeah. it feels terrible and it's not fun when you go through it, but can you walk us through maybe uh, a mistake that has happened, like for instance, on live TV, because there's no do-overs, a mistake that you've made and just like give us an example of how you were able to overcome that. So every single day I make mistakes, so whether it's like, 
misreading a word in the teleprompter and really like your brain just turns to soup and things like things become chaotic and you try and recover and, and it sounds to you like the worst thing that's ever happened. Um, I that happens every day, like me maybe not knowing what I'm supposed to ask next because there's a jumble of things that are happening and things are going very, very quick. Um, and I am, you know, actually reading verbatim from a card or something like things just aren't sticking certain days. So mistakes are constantly happening. Um, one that really like will always stick with me and honestly looking back at it now, it's really not so bad. And this maybe is what gave me some of my super thick skin in being able to just keep getting out there and keep making those mistakes and keep doing it is in live TV generally, I mean, unless you go really viral, like it just goes out there. So you do it and then it's done and you can kind of walk away and be like, oh, oh my gosh, you know, but it, it goes away. So it's not constantly being replayed somewhere. You know, there's not a million episodes where people are just rewatching it. So my first live shot ever for news, um, which was a big deal because when you're a lifestyle show, you're not necessarily considered as, I don't want to say important as news, but really it, you're just not as important as news. Like news is the big guy. They're in the prime time. They're in the big hours. That's where all the viewers are. That's where the eyes are. And when I came back to Houston, um, we were, I, I worked for KPRC, which was like the number one station in Houston. Our news team at 10 o'clock was like the big stars there. That's where the eyes are. There are, you know, a million eyes on you when you're on the 10 o'clock news. And during the Super Bowl, um, which was in Houston a few years ago, 2017 maybe the beginning of 2017 they were they picked me to go and cover a party and this was going to be like one of my very first live shots ever been out of tv for seven years started the show houston life like been on live a few times here and there produced but never like ifb out in the field live so what's going to happen now they're putting you on the news and you know you have some criticism that comes back to you via ways of maybe like a boss who says it in the wrong way or something so i had all these like oh no am i gonna be smart enough on tv am i gonna say the wrong thing am i gonna be able to do it and the night that i was covering the super bowl so it wasn't the super bowl it was one of the after parties for the rolling stones uh, for the Rolling Stone new, uh, magazine, their after party. I'm on a red carpet and you're like looking for a story. So is Lady Gaga going to pass by? Probably not because I'm not that lucky. Like nothing is happening. And they're like, you're on in five. And you know, I have an IFB in my ear, all the pressure. I'm like in a dress and I'm on the red carpet. And they're like, we're not going to get you anything. We're not going to be able to get you anything. And I'm like, well, I'm screwed. Basically, I'm screwed. And just before we went live, they pulled me up onto the red carpet and I ended up getting like the party, the guy who organized the party, so the event uh, coordinator, along with uh, one of the like editors of Rolling Stone magazine. And I was like, okay, this is good enough. He can talk content, he can talk about who's here. And in my head, you're going a million miles a minute, so I don't know what we're gonna talk about. So what do I do? I write down their names. I immediately forget their names and we're like live. And I was like, huh, you know, we, we go live. I know this is like my big moment. You're gonna make it or break it. And when you put all that pressure on yourself, it's a very scary thing. Like I kind of get nervous even thinking about it because anytime I put all that pressure, I'm not gonna perform well, but I'm gonna do it to the best that I can while I'm doing it. So I have a camera in my face. I have two guys on the side of me and I'm doing okay, I'm doing okay, just trying to get through it. Like in my head, I'm thinking like, can this be over? Can we be done? Like a million people are watching me right now and this is a big moment and it's not nothing great, but I just want it to be over with. And I turn to the next guy and I call him by the wrong name. And as soon as it comes out of my mouth, I realize I called him David and David was the last guy I was just talking to. So all these technical things go through my head and I remember the moment of being like, David, something, something. And I also remember at one point my career was told, never say sorry on TV. So I didn't apologize. And I said, David, I mean, and I looked at my card and I got the name. And I said, you know, I don't remember your name. Sorry, guy, whatever. I didn't say that, but I was, whatever his name was, I said it. And I was like, 
you know, John rather. And I went on and I don't remember anything else that happened except for the fact that I just got his name wrong and people were watching who were like expecting me to perform or fail. Like there are people out there who want you to fail. And I said this and I get through it and I remember walking away and just being like, I blew it. Like I just, and it was the biggest problem in the world to me at the moment that I said this guy's name wrong on live TV. He gave me a look and I kind of just pretended like nothing happened. When it, as soon as it finished, I have beat myself up for it still kind of for years here thinking like that was not a good thing. I'm still afraid to do it on live TV. But one of the worst things and the best things that happened, like two days later, there was a woman who was not my biggest cheerleader. And she came up to me and I didn't really say, I can point out my flaws or whatever. I just got on with it. And it secretly, oh, punch in the gut, you messed up, you messed up, blah, 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 whatever. So we go to do the show in my regular schedule and she comes up to me and she's like, I saw you on the news. like. Pretty good job, but oh, you said the wrong name. And I was like, I did. I did say the wrong name, but it's okay. It's okay that I said the wrong name. And the rest of the live shot went really well. And, you know, news asked me to cover something else. And she was like, yeah, good job. And I was like, at that moment, I remember thinking, you know what? Like, people are going to point out your flaws even when you're pointing out your flaws. And you have done something wrong but no one died, I'm not performing brain surgery, nothing is so bad, and guess what, I can carry on, and it's gonna be okay. And I remember like the sheer terror, fear, and by the time she had said that to me, I was like, there are mean people out there too. And nobody else, nobody else who was like on my cheer squad or on my team or thought anything else of it were like, you said his name wrong. Like, it wasn't the worst thing in the world, but it happened. And it scarred me enough to be like, just pay attention and look at your cards. It's okay, look at your cards. It's okay to do those things. And it's okay to just say, never mind, I don't need your advice to someone who's like gonna point out those big flaws. So it never really made me more afraid for the next thing. It made me think like, next time I can do better. Because even if I mess up something else, I'm gonna at least say their name right. Like I will say your name right, and if I don't know it, I'm going to look at it and that's okay too. So I learned from it, again, a long way of saying like, that big moment in my big moment, I totally failed and I didn't shrink up and run away like I wanted to. I didn't like let it just roller coast me into a spiral of saying, I can't do this and I'm not good enough at this. Even though you feel like that, it's like, no, 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 I'm still gonna be able to do better. And on our show, like there were times when Rosie will mess up and she will beat herself up. There are times when I will mess up and I'll beat myself up. And when I listen to her and her messing, like if Rosie will mess up, to me, it's no big deal. Like I'm like, girlfriend, like you do a million things right, nobody caught that. Like nobody caught that and that's totally fine. And I think that that's what I need to continue to try and teach myself too, is like, I'm not looking at her with like, oh my gosh, like you said that wrong or you stumbled over a word, but it does happen and it happens all the time. And it's one of those things where it's like, I think all of us just need to figure out that it's, it's okay. And you gotta put it away and you gotta move on and you're not gonna always do better. And you're not gonna be perfect all the time, but you have to learn to maybe just keep going. Like keep going and be like, you know what? Shoot, I'm gonna learn and I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna get over it. Maybe that's what it is too, is I'm gonna get over it and I'm gonna rest okay tonight. And if I look back at my whole career, which is not that long in TV, but if I look back at the hundreds and hundreds of segments and names and things and knowing that I've messed up and I've messed up and I've messed up, I can't remember a lot of other times where that have really stuck with me, where it's like, oh man, I blew that one big time, which is so comforting in a lot of ways, because it's like, when something that big sticks out in your head, you think every time I do it, it's gonna happen and I'm gonna be like, oh, I'm a failure, I'm a failure. I'm not a failure. Like, I guess that's where it's like, you go back and you watch. And I think too, before we, you know, sat down and started talking today, I told you there were times when I'm so ridden with anxiety over something. And when I go back and watch it, because I think I really blew it on that one, it's actually comforting to watch it and know that like none of that came out. Like I couldn't visually see what I was feeling inside. And so that it's, 
it's a curated thing too. It's something that you learn and grow with and have to like, you have to keep pushing yourself to be okay with just not being perfect. Because mm -hmm. holy cow, that's never gonna happen. That's never, never gonna happen. That's a really, really powerful message. There's a lot of little messages in there. It's a lot of stuff. So really, <laughs> no, it's really, it's very powerful and it's very important. It's just, it's, it's with work and it crosses over with life. These types of um, examples that you're giving, of how you feel when you make a mistake, mm -hmm. and uh, and I can, I'm, I'm like, wow, I'm thinking about how um, how even when I've been on the show with you as a guest before how I have literally maybe gone to breakfast right after mm -hmm. and have not been able to eat. Like I've been, I'm like beating myself up mm -hmm. until noon whenever it airs because of how I thought I could have done better. Yep. And then I watch it and I'm like, okay, it wasn't that bad. It's like, a lot better than you ever thought, thought right? You know, I'm just like <laughs> tormenting myself and I just think there's a message in there that, you know, it's okay to be, in a sense, your worst critic if you're doing it in a constructive way to where you will learn from it. And I love mistakes like the one that you made. Not that I'm like, hey, you made that mistake. Right. But I love those types of mistakes in life because you only make them one time. Right. That's a beautiful part of mistakes that are so powerful like that. Did anyone die? Like you said, like, oh, come on, come on, seriously. Nobody you said except for that one person noticed. He may have cared, he may have not cared, he may have been listening, he may have not, whatever. It was your expectations, it was, it was all how you felt. So anyways, I think there's just there's a lot of powerful messages in there. So thank you for sharing that with us. Um, the next thing I want to talk about is something that I haven't really, you know how when you hear a word, and you, for some reason, it catches your attention and you start hearing it everywhere. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know how else to explain mm -hmm. it. But um, I've been listening to podcasts and I've been hearing um, here and there about people having imposter syndromes. Mm -hmm. And then I was on a podcast with a very, very successful, in my opinion, very successful filmmaker. Um, extremely talented. And in the midst of us having our conversation, she mentioned feeling like she had imposters, I don't even know if I'm saying it right, imposter syndrome. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And um, and I didn't really, I was so taken back when she said it because of who she is and me knowing the type of talent that she is. But I was like, whoa, what does this mean? If she's had it, I'm sure I've had it. Mm -hmm. And then I started thinking about myself and, um, and then I was able to put a label to something that I wasn't able to identify before. Like, I don't mm -hmm. know if that makes sense, but just putting a label on, oh yeah, that feeling is really a feeling of imposter syndrome. Yeah. Um, have you ever felt that way before? And if so, how do you how do you kind of like talk yourself out of it? Or what do you what disciplines do you practice? Like how do you get out of that mindset? Because I can I can only imagine if somebody stayed in that mindset mm -hmm. for more than a little while, it would really be debilitating as a professional to feel that way. So, if, have you ever felt that way? And if you have, how do you have you caught yourself out of feeling that way? I I think it's it's one of those things where you're wondering, like, do I fit in? Do people accept me in this position? And I struggled with that like for a very long time, and I still struggle with it from time to time. Like, do people like me? Do they care? Do do I belong here? And that might be my version of imposter syndrome because like I haven't had the same path as, you know, I, I can keep saying, you know, as Rosie, cause she is the closest one to me. So my co-host Rosie, like she had a very clear path to get into TV and I've had this very like all over the place. Exactly. Yeah. It's been a zigzag and a half. And it's like, do I belong? Like, she definitely, to me, she definitely belongs. And I think it's funny because we've had this conversation where she'll say to me, like, oh, no, you belong. You belong and your path is different. And she's a little bit, like, taken back by my path. Like, I should have done something a little bit more like that. But it's funny how, you know, we all end up maybe where we're supposed to be, I guess, because I could have ended up in a million different areas, directions, and places. So I find myself 
on a very regular basis, like being like, do I, yeah, asking the question, like, do I belong here? Do I fit in? And the answer is absolutely. Like, I, have, I know at the end of the day, if nothing else, I have worked hard for what I do and what I'm currently doing. So I think naturally, no matter where you're at in your career, if you're low or if you're high or if you're so good at it, there's a tendency to still have it because it's one of those things like, do we ever arrive? Are we ever really good and do we really believe that? And yeah, you can feel comfortable or like levels of comfort or something, but I think that like, it's such a, it's such an interesting thing that like professionals or people who we admire, people who you think, oh, you're just so good at what you do, they still feel like they're a bit of an imposter. They don't quite belong. They're not quite good enough. Well, the answer is we're probably all good enough at what we're doing to be there. We're working hard enough and we're doing our job well. But feeling that feeling of just belonging and, and being good enough, I don't know that I, I'm ever just going to naturally feel that way. And that's probably why... I want to strive to continue to get better or more comfortable and by the time you sort of get comfortable it might be time to move on or learn something new or be an imposter somewhere else so in a way like I would say like nowhere I've ever been nowhere I'll probably ever be uh, I, I won't have that feeling or thought of being an imposter because it's kind of exciting to be an imposter to like grow and to to be like, I am new enough or I am not quite good enough. Because I don't think as humans we're ever going to feel yeah. like we're so good that we can do no wrong. Yeah. So, truth is, you I messed it up. I love that. You like put this positive spin on it and it literally gave me chills. Because I'm like, Ooh, wait a minute. It chills but, like, everybody's <laughs> always like, when they say imposter syndrome, they like have this look of fright on their face. And then I'm like, frightened for them. <laughs> you just gave it like this negative spin. And I think that's so true because... We should all, we should never be so egotistical. And I don't mean that just in a negative way, a little bit of ego. I mean, we can't get into that, those types of mm. conversations right now, but <laughs> I'm just saying, I don't That'll mean, be four days I don't worth the podcast. Right, right. I don't mean that it to be so negative, but I'm just saying we can't, if we ever are so egotistical to think that we are just so comfortable, we know it all, I think that's when we stop learning. So maybe we should, maybe people, this is a time for people to listen and maybe you know, um, uh, kind of change that dialogue or that narrative about mm-hmm. imposter syndrome, like mm-hmm. that feeling, like, where is that really coming from? Maybe it's just, maybe I just need to uh, pick up a book or go learn something mm-hmm. more to get out of that mindset. Yeah. Maybe that's all it is. And that's not a bad thing, though, because mm-hmm. that's pushing us to do better, right? I always think, like, if I'm uncomfortable, it's a good thing. And I'm always uncomfortable. Like, okay, <laughs> okay. And, and I guess, you know, there are situations where you're like, I'm on my groove, but that doesn't mean that the next day something's not going to make you uncomfortable, something's not going to come at you. Yeah, and that is what makes us human, that's what makes us alive, that's what makes us relatable. Yeah. Like, that's why... I can sit with someone and be like, you're stressed, you're uncomfortable, you're nervous right now. Me too. Or I have been. And maybe today I'm not. But tomorrow I will be. And that's okay. Like, I am also not fully, like, I have not arrived. Maybe that's what it is too. It's like, when do you arrive? Mm, Hopefully never. I don't know. I'm not not looking forward to the day where I just feel like I have arrived. Because that's complacency <laughs> yes. yeah that's when I move on I guess to the next thing and I don't know you you kind of hit certain levels so maybe always striving for the next level or the next like thing you can learn become the next imposter the next best thing I don't know I love it. maybe that's I love it. it I love it new nuggets <laughs> so good um, such good stuff so speaking of you mentioned dreams a little bit earlier do you feel like you've arrived into your dream job? Because and this isn't like some trick question mm-hmm. to, to, you know, I know you love your job. I know you love where you are right now. But also remember you talking about originally wanting to do like being a sports caster. Mm-hmm. And then it just sort of organically fell, um, not fell into your lap, but the way that your job progressed kind of organically happened, right? You started mm-hmm. off as doing one thing at 3512 and now you're doing many, many things. Mm-hmm. So do you feel in a way that this is your dream job? A dream job? A dream job, definitely. Um, my dream job has evolved like over and over again. So if if I were to always say like, 
this is the one thing I've really, really, really wanted to do. Um, I would always go back to like being like a travel adventure host, right? So it's always been like the, the epitome of if you were to reach for the stars and think of like the most insane thing that will never be attainable and you don't, you're never gonna get that job, which maybe you will, because I've never really told myself you can't have that job. But it would be like hopping on planes and going to like exotic places doing exotic adventurous things. And when I relate that to what I'm doing now, Somehow my path has gone from like wanting to be what I would call when I was younger on-site news reporter to scratch that I'd make a terrible on-site news reporter. Like I don't want to talk about you know fires and death and things. Um, to wanting to be a sportscaster, also scratch that because I didn't love sports when I first started. Like I I loved the idea of sports. I loved like the energy around them, but I didn't know enough about sports to just be like, hey, I would have really really had to find my niche and work really, really hard to not sound ignorant to what I was talking about. And I think that was like the time in my life where I was like, this is what people would maybe like think I would be okay in. Mm -hmm. That would be my box. And then I went from that to like traffic reporter. I don't know what direction I'm going in ever. Like I don't, I have to use ways to get home from work every single dang day. I would have been like really just faking it. So I've landed in this position in a way where it's like, and landed is is not quite true because there was a lot of obstacles to get there. But as a dream job, yes, it's a lot of people's dream job to be able to just like have fun on TV, but it is still a job. So it's one of those like, what would be your next best thing or your next best progression? I would say I am highly satisfied with what I've probably come to, like, and how I got there, if I really think back on my path, but I'm not done. And I I actually think that my thought of what the bigger picture would be will always continue to evolve because my next focus, and I'll be honest, like, I've, I've done a lot of the things I've wanted to do, my next focus is like, I would like to have a family and whatever job kind of accommodates that, that's probably going to be my next sort of dream job. So, and I really think what I'm doing right now kind of mixes into the picture. Overall, just like where I'm at right now, it was a dream job once upon a time, still a dream job that I'm in, but a dream job that will evolve into what's the perception for the rest of my life. And I don't know what that is. I still feel like there's a lot more I could accomplish, but I feel like I don't have a checklist that I just need to keep marking the boxes on anymore because I'm sort of like, hey, this is exciting as to what could happen next. I could end up doing something completely different. And like the epitome of my dream job, like the the biggest picture of saying I want a travel show and an adventure show and all of those things, that's even evolved because that's not nearly as exciting to me as it was like a few years ago, just because I see like shifts in my life and stuff. So I feel like where I'm at is a really good place. And I'm kind of like, I've hit the jackpot in a lot of ways because I'm like, dang, like who gets this job? It is really, really cool. But the answer is, is like, I get this job and I sort of like, I took the path to get this job and I'm happy about it. And I think that it's going to keep following a path where I don't see, like, I don't see myself in any particular place in the next five years other than hopefully, like, just expanding on, you know, my family and, like, my relationships and my community, which is just a different place than Steph who wanted to be a sportscaster or something. Yeah, so that's, that's kind of, I'm okay with letting go of the idea of, like, this one thing I have to hit because I feel like... I'll be able to hit that. Like I will, I'll be able to get there in some way, shape, or form. And I don't really want to put a ceiling on any of it. I kind of love that. See where we're going. I'm gonna adopt that also. When people ask me or about all the things I'm gonna do, I'm just gonna say, you know, I really don't want to put a ceiling. I don't want a ceiling. I I really love that. Sky and beyond. I don't know. So, in the previous podcast, you said that there have been times when you followed your heart, but you had fallen short. And I'm not sure what capacities you meant that by but can you just give us an example and also maybe some tangible tools or resources that you utilize to kind of get you through those times when you felt that way Mm -hmm. okay so big one 
and I will try and keep it like a little as not messy as possible but um, I have gone through a divorce so something that I think is like wow you're you know you've made this path and you've gone this path and you're recently married and you work in TV I had a, a messy area of my life and I, I think that it's something that more people than I would have ever thought have maybe gone through. And I would say, like, following my heart and falling short, my big picture at that point was, like, you know, I'd, I'd moved to Paris with an ex-boyfriend, and then it didn't work. And I moved back to America, and I was looking for an escape, moved to Australia. So following my, like, internal compass of just saying, oh, go have an adventure, you know, and, and try and get over this and be better and come back and you'll probably work in TV. Well, work isn't always, like, the thing that has just driven me to the next thing. So, yeah, I wanted to work in TV, but I've also had these relationships along the way that have brought me to different places and, and different countries even. So, um, go back to Australia, meet someone, like, be introduced to someone, and I was at an age in my life that I thought, well, I'm supposed to get married. I am supposed to fall in love right now. I'm supposed to have this career. And I went a little bit backward because I, you know, stopped my career in TV to move to Paris. The relationship didn't work out. All of a sudden, shoot, I thought I failed. Like I was like, oh no, I'm, and this sounds so silly now looking back at it, but I remember thinking I'm 27 years old and I'm single and I've sold all my stuff and I'm nowhere in my career and I have zero dollars and what am I going to do? And so I did follow my heart in a sense of adventure and I was like, well, I'm under 30, I can get a working holiday visa in Australia, had friends out there, I'm gonna make the best out of this for like a year. I met someone there and I, I kind of used it as a band-aid and, and I hate to put it out there, but to say like, geez, I, I thought this is what I'm supposed to do. I, like, I went with the mainstream for a time in my life where I was supposed to be following my heart and I really went with like, hey, you're supposed to get married and you're supposed to maybe have kids and you're supposed to maybe be doing this big career. So instead of saying like, this is probably not what I'm supposed to be doing right now, I did it. And I stayed in Australia, I got married, I made a big production out of the wedding, we got married in South France. Um, I made my life into something that it was supposed to be. I had a very successful career in recruitment. Like, it was a really weird time. Like, it's a very weird for me to even relive that because it's so far removed from who I actually am as a person. Like, I just tried to be someone that I wasn't. And as soon as I got the call to come back to America, I not only left, like, my life in Australia, I, I left everything. I left the career. My husband at the time was supposed to come over with me. Like there was all of these plans and things. And when you think you have this life that is like working out and supposed to work out and you know, what am I gonna do with this big ball of life that doesn't fit my, myself, like my true self, and you wake yourself up to it and realize, I had to leave it behind. Like I, I left, an entire life behind and came and did this and I kind of came back into myself and I was woke myself up like no Steph you're not in a spot where you're supposed to be married you're not supposed to be in that career and I completely started over and I'm not happy about it because I mean I I had a relationship that did not work out that I had to come to terms with and say I'm not happy I'm not in love I'm not in a place where I'm supposed to be and I had to say like close the door on that and move on. And there were a lot of repercussions to it. Like I was already a somewhat public figure in Houston. And so people thought it was okay to say bad things about me on the internet because they knew, you know, oh, we're gonna, you hurt your ex-husband, so we're gonna say things. Like getting over a time like that was very dark and hard and weird. And like, I still continued to just follow my heart and not my supposed to be stuff. Like you're supposed to have this life. And it was so scary and so heavy and so weird. And I did push through and I'm gonna like kind of wrap it into a very ugly gift, a little present here by just saying that that part of my life, like I would choose to just not talk about and push to the corner and, and hide under the bed. 
But the reality is, is it happened and it shaped me and it made me who I was and it made me realize what I didn't want in life. And it made me still feel strong and empowered when I went through that and went back and looked at it to think everyone was really judging me. Everyone was, there were a ton of people disappointed who were disappointed in me. There were, you know, I had a failed marriage. I had hurt people by saying I didn't want to be married, but I was strong enough in my own conviction to say, if I do this, it's for everyone else. It's not for me. And so I let it go and I just kept going. And tools and like resources and things for me, I mean, that was the first time that I probably like hung on to someone and spoke to someone about these things. And it was my best friend. And she's like the greatest support system to me ever. And I'm not an open book per se. Like even right now, I'm like, oh gosh, I'm talking about this. Like this is something a lot of people don't know about me, but I would confide in her that like I am hurting. This is hard. Like life is very difficult. I am sad. I have hurt someone. And I would say feelings out loud. And I would like for the first time in my life be like, I'm maybe disappointing other people but I'm not disappointing myself anymore and that's okay. And I worked with her and other people, like I started opening up a little bit more to like my small circle to just kind of get over that and be okay. And I don't have any regrets. Like the thing about that is, is like dark cloud in my life in a way, but made a big portion of everything else happen. So when I look back at it, I can't dwell on the fact that like I, followed my heart to Australia and then this happened, but it happened and it, none of the other stuff would have happened without it. So it's still good. It's still okay, but it's still something that like, it affected me harshly. Like, yes, on social media. Yes. is like, I have to like protect myself and you know, people expect you to be someone who, you know, maybe has never hurt anyone before. You've never been through a divorce or like your life is just all fluffy and lovely. And it wasn't, and it hasn't always been. And it is still hard for me to know, like, yes, I, like I hurt someone else by not bringing them onto the other side with me, but I wouldn't have been able to be okay with it. And maybe being old enough to know, too, that this is my life, this is my one life, and I have to go with my heart and like just keep going. Like, that is probably the only thing that, like, carried me through, and then having... Yeah, the support system around me and the maybe the courage to finally talk to someone about it because I'm the type of person who has always been like I'm fine I'm all right I'm okay and the truth is is you're not like no one is just always gonna be okay and fine and happy so going through something like that I now don't look at it as like a failure it wasn't like it was I did fall short of what I thought I was gonna do but my life didn't have to be this grand plan. And the one time that I thought, here's my grand plan. I am X years old. I am now going to get married. I am now going to have a family. Bullshit. <laughs> like, no, that does not have to happen. And fast forward to meeting my now husband, who is like, he's, he's perfect for me. You know, he's not perfect by any means, nor am I, but he is perfect for me. And from day one of meeting him, like on the TV set, like, He's just, he is the person. And I knew that and I went with that. And I then was like scared out of my mind to like move away from my job and like to follow my heart. And cause I, I failed big time. Like I failed massively failed by doing all of that in Australia and then coming here and having to like, Oh shit, what did I do? Really messed my life up. But I knew this time it was like the feeling for me was right. Cause it wasn't for everyone else. And it's okay that I got married at 36. I'm older than my husband. We have like had to figure out ways to communicate. Like there are, there are things that aren't pretty and packaged for everyone else, but they are like perfect for me and for us and for my time. So in wrapping all of that up to say, yes, I have taken big leaps and I have fallen short and I have followed my heart and fallen short and I've done things that were maybe a mistake, but here I am talking through some of them, knowing that like that is not going to define who I am for the rest of my life. The fact that I've been through a divorce or that I've hurt someone else or that like things were kind of chaotic or lonely or scary for a little bit. 
they're still going to be okay on the flip side. Like I got to just keep going and keep being okay with the fact that I don't have to measure up to what everyone else thought I was supposed to be or who I really made these like, now it's time to do this. It's not time to do that. Like it is time when you, when your body, when you know it, it's time, when your mind, when your heart, when everything just says, this is time. And it wasn't my time. And I made that mistake. And again, I think going back to everything else, I'm not going to do that again. Like I was like, if I'm getting married this time, it's for real. It's not because everyone else wants me to. And that is like off subject of work, a time in my life where I was like, okay, like fell short in a sense, like, you know, in, in our way that we would explain things, but really did I, it just kind of catapulted me into where I was supposed to be in my life. But shit, that was hard. Like it was a real strong kind of moment of being like, oh, like uncomfortable, scary, hard, but knowing what's right for me when I'd say nobody else did. I love that. It's it's real. It's it yeah, sure it's heavy, but it's real and more people than we could probably ever imagine can relate to it. And um I mean, my mind is going, like, I'm listening to you and I'm, I'm getting chills because even I can relate to so much of what you're saying, um, even about uh, failed, the quote-unquote failed marriages and things like that. Um, I almost have a little bit of an aversion to that um, and to make you feel less awkward. I've also been through a divorce mm-hmm. and the partner that I'm with right now, I don't think he would, I don't think it's secret that mm-hmm. he's been through a divorce. And, um, and those weren't pretty, but um, fast forwarding to today where we are now, um, my partner and I are godparents to my ex-husband's child. Wow. Who, so I'm just saying there's a, a lot of stuff in between. There's a lot of work, but, and the, the, my divorce was not, um, I would never use the word pretty or easy or anything, mm-hmm. and I, it's not a our time here today is not just about that. So I'm not going to sit here and talk about all that. Um, nor was my partner's situation, but you just, you don't ever, what I've learned is you don't, um, emotions don't change. Mm-hmm. You just, you just get past them. You move yes. past them and there's no, there's no shortcuts to anything. You have to actually go through the pain mm-hmm. to come out on the other end. There's no like secret sauce. There's no secret secret recipe for um, how things are supposed to go. You can't. There's no you know secret pathway to moving around either side. It's mm-hmm. like you just go straight through head first. <laughs> you just there is no other way to do it than to come out on the other side. And but when you come out on the other side, I mean, I'm in. An, I was with someone for 15 years. I'm in. An, I mean. To say an entirely different person is probably being really dramatic because I still feel like I'm the same person Mm -hmm. right inside, but there's so much of me that's completely different Mm -hmm. and would never be that version of myself again um, for the better. And so I think that if you can make those types of adjustments to your life for Mm -hmm. the better that it was it's completely worth it because we've got a lot more life to go and if we can ain't that the truth (laughs) we can have already i mean you know um, god willing whatever willing but if if we can already come to those conclusions and make those adjustments for the better then for the rest of our lives you know we won't have to be that person again we won't have to go through those things again so i think there's a ton of value in that i don't believe that that they're just failed marriages. They're just married. They're just partnerships that mm-hmm. they they their course they came to an end. Now it's that? like and then it's like the next chapter. Um, so I appreciate you sharing mm-hmm. that because that's a lot of uh, it takes a lot of vulnerability to share that type of stuff. But so many people I believe will resonate with that, mm-hmm. and we'll, and maybe we'll stop and, and and think a little bit, maybe even change their perspective mm-hmm. for the better on um on that you know what was one time i believe you know a stigma but no more um so just want to just as a, a takeaway today what would be the one thing that you if 
I'm sure there are many things, but what would you have liked to have known whenever you very, very first got started in your career? What is like that one thing that you wish you had known? If there is a thing. <laughs> maybe there's not. If there is like, a thing. Maybe there's These are things. such good questions. I don't know. I, I feel like as you're asking me these questions, I just start going and then I'm like realizing answers or my own mindset as I'm going through the question because I'm very much like, oh, <laughs> something to think about. But what would I have liked to know? I think from the beginning uh, that it's okay not to be the norm, not to be something that everyone else wants you to be. And I had a, an okay idea of that when I very first started because I knew I'd never succeed being put in a box. And I always thought like, yeah, but I could probably adjust to that box or I could be the news anchor. I can't. And I, I knew. And so I just kept pulling away from that sort of a thing. But I think when I went back into TV, especially being away from it for the seven years, um, I really tried hard to kind of make a lot of people happy. And I really... I think in trying to prove it to myself that I was worthy and good enough to do it and things. And, and as you're learning and like wanting to get better, like I, I did, I wanted to impress the news director. I wanted the general manager of the station to like me. I wanted my crew and team to like me. And I wanted to be all the things for all the people. And the reality is I can't be all the things to all the people. And there are people that aren't going to like me along the way. And there are going to be people that will judge me based on whether it's looks or something they heard me say or the day I made a mistake or the day I was really funny and maybe they do love me that day and then they can't stand me the next. And I think I have to just keep saying, well, you might not like me, but I think I like me today. Like this, I, I resonated with someone else and Gentry likes me. Like there's, you know, there are people that will say they like me and I've maybe made them feel more comfortable for doing what they do and getting the word out for what, you know, their own message and things. So yeah, maybe I'm not going to be the person who they're going to ask to, I don't know, go interview the top celebrity who they want, you know, some star to do this. I'm not going to be that person. I'm going to be the person that I can be every day and the best person that I can be, which is like not going to fit in any sort of a box. I'm more of like this weird little explosion of like, oh shoot, we think we know who she is, but we don't really know. And I like that because that's the only person like that I feel authentic being and that I feel like I can show up and actually um, maybe keep doing because you can't just play a character for the rest of your life. And I never really learned how to do that and I think when I tried to do that or like got kind of hurt that I wasn't this person's cup of tea or they would never send me out on a story like this to cover that because maybe I'm not the right fit for it well that's great I'm the right fit for something else and someone else and knowing that from the beginning maybe would have made me more comfortable and confident in what I was doing um, and maybe even hearing that, hearing myself say that now, because a lot of times I think like, eh, like someone will call me out for being like, yeah, you're kind of the obnoxious one, or you're the one who is going to be a little more silly, or you're going to be this. And I think sometimes I'm like, I am not, <laughs> like, but yes, I, I am. And then I'm some more because I'm not in a box and I'm never going to fit in that box. So yes, all in all, like, don't try to impress the masses, just try and I think put out the best you or the most authentic you that you can because I I think it's working for me and if it's not well shoot I'll probably find something else to do at some point in my life but I know I know no other way to do it and I, I think in all the different ways I've kind of explored and, and tried to discover this is it like it's like this is what you get and maybe I can work on like yes, I'll be more professional in certain situations or no, I won't say that or whatever, but never to try and be everyone's cup of tea because it's never going to happen. Never, never going to happen. I'm not champagne. <laughs> well, I can tell you something else that's never going to happen. Um, you are never going to need that backup job at Chick-fil-A. Yeah. It's, it's still my go-to gentry. It's never going to happen. <laughs> you know, it just might be good, but it's not your Girl. destiny. 
And I just want to thank you so much. It's been such an absolute pleasure. And while we have definitely covered so much good stuff today, I know there's a lot more. So I'm just going to go out on live camera and say, would you be interested in a part three? Heck yes! We're just going to keep this thing alive. Heck yes! We're just going to keep Oh, there are so many layers to this onion. We're going to keep letting the box explode. But it's been such a delight. You are definitely one of my superheroes, so thank you.